Welcome to another Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. I created the show with the intention of empowering others to help and love themselves. Aside from weekly skin tips, you will hear me spotlight extraordinary souls from around the world who are making a difference by helping people in their own way. Together, we can all make a difference, and it starts with love, love from the hip. A vow, by definition, is a solemn promise, pledge, or personal commitment. There is no doubt that vows have played an important role throughout many a civilization. The ancient Romans bestowed vows upon a deity in the name of the state, which put the vow giver in debt to the gods until the vows were fulfilled. Wars, for example, called for the Romans to make vows to Mars, the god of war which usually included a sacrifice of a large number of animals in exchange for support during battles. The Vikings made vows to the gods, and those who broke the vows were outcasted from the village. In the ancient Middle East, individuals often made vows to a deity to perform certain acts or to live in a certain way in return for divine favor. In Hinduism, Buddhism, and Jainism, vows are not only common among ordained religious people, but also among the lay devotees. Hindu followers of the bhakti or devotion movements vow to render special service to their gods like fasting or making offerings to the priests and gods on special days. Buddhist monks who follow the rules of Sangha vow to practice the ten precepts which include chastity, honesty, and nonviolence. Jaina monks follow the five vows of Iratas of Mahavira, which include a renunciation of killing, lying, taking what is not given, sexual pleasures, and all attachments. In Judaism, vows may be be considered positive and or negative. A positive vow or netter is a voluntary pledge to consecrate something to God or to do something in God's honor that is not required by law. A negative netter is a voluntary pledge to abstain from or deprive oneself of legitimate pleasure. Roman Catholic religious orders take on three general vows, poverty, chastity, and obedience. Muslim saints revered for their spiritual powers are sometimes appealed to by the faithful who offer vows of various sorts in return for help, whereas many Protestant vows are made during certain rites like confirmation, ordination, and marriage. Overall, in many religions, a vow may or may not be made to God, but still is made before or in the presence of God. And if that promise is delayed or unfulfilled, then sin is inevitable. Even in yoga, there is a vow taken between you and your higher self as you aim to find God within yourself. A vow is a personal promise, yet it is considered to be more sacred, binding, and less likely to be broken. In religion, vows are directed towards personal salvation, whereas a promise is meant to focus on others. Until death do us part, which was first written, till death us do part, is a vow that we still give today in matrimony. While weddings have become more secular as they were when they first originated, vows have remained a crucial part and do indeed have religious origin. In fact, the oldest standard wedding vows can be traced back to the Book of Common Prayer by Thomas Kramer, Archbishop of Canterbury, written in 1549. 
Marital vows are declared promises we continue to make to each other in front of others, usually those we hold close to our heart. It has been said that when shared aloud in the presence of others, they are even more amplified. And while traditional marital vows establish the matrimony is based on free will and a voluntary decision that not even God played a part in, it is still thought to be a contract held in heaven. Today, marital vows have become more and more personalized with couples writing promises tailored to their own heart and their own vision of marriage. They still promise a bond that cannot be broken, no matter the circumstances, and are meant to look back on in those challenging times to keep the union strong. But what still makes them breakable? Marital vows are intended to be forever promises, and research says, overall, promises are more likely to be broken than kept. Psychologists have determined that only a fraction of our thoughts and feelings are in our awareness at any given moment, and we tend to focus exclusively on those feelings which we deem most favorable and least threatening to our sense of well-being. As a result, we are more rash in making promises without looking at the big picture, nor honoring all of our feelings. While keeping a promise is a measure of self-worth, Breaking a vow or promise, according to psychologists, is not just a measure of disrespect to the other person involved, but also to ourselves. We are essentially saying that we do not value our own word enough. If we were to make a greater effort to know ourselves better, including those painful parts of us that we rush to ignore, then we become more savvy to the possibility of having contradictory feelings, and as a result, our promises and vows are more likely to stand a chance, perhaps even our relationships and our marriages as well. As Canadian writer Charles DeLint said, you've got to find yourself first, everything else will follow. Today on Love from the Hip, it is my pleasure to have Stacy and Tom Bartley on my show. Stacy is an integrative couples specialist and divorce mediator, and Tom is a relationship coach. Together, this dynamic duo will touch on the key to having lasting and successful relationships and or marriage, how the pandemic has affected dating, relationships, and marriage, how marriage has evolved, and the benefits of proactive couples therapy, and so much more. So don't go far. We'll be right back. Love and marriage, love and marriage Go together like a horse and carriage This I tell you, brother You can't have one without the other The passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, compassion, and especially someone who works across the veil. Allow Sakura Sutter, multidimensional channeler and intuitive medium, to be your spiritual guide with the other side. No matter if you choose to communicate with your transitioned loved ones to help you with the grieving process, or connect with spiritual, galactic, and other light beings to explore and dive in more on your spiritual path, Sakura can assist you. Not only does Sakura channel insightful messages, but she also incorporates her metaphysical tools to help you move through blocks and unprocessed emotions and feelings, providing you with a closure, relief, and new mindset to move forward. So don't hesitate to take your first step towards healing so you can start living your life once again. Remote sessions available. 
contact Sakura at sakurasutter.com. That's S-A-K-U-R-A-S-U-T-T-E-R dot com. Taking care of your body's largest organ can be difficult, but not for Astera Skincare Mist. This topical skin spray supports your skin's own natural healing defenses. Astera Skincare Mist is a light misting spray free of parabens, alcohol, toxins, and fragrance. This all-natural topical skin spray will take the woe out of your skincare worries without clogging your pores. Irritation, inflammation, redness, post-procedure sensitivities, no problem. With Astera Skincare Mist, you can continue about your day without the skin dismay. Acne, rosacea, psoriasis, sunburns, rashes, and fungus? Don't let these skin concerns inconvenience you. Instead, let Astera Skincare Mist allow you to be happy in the skin you're in. Available at Sakura Skin and Mind. Learn more at AsteraCare.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-A Care.com. What would it be like to deeply remember the secrets of your soul so that you can travel the unknown with confidence and genuinely sit back, relax, enjoying life without all the everyday worries? I'm Jen Dushin, a mystic mentor who guides you to align and amplify your soul's true mission. Get healing, clarity around your next steps, release unresolved guilt, agreements, and karma so that you can fulfill your purpose and reach your utmost potential while experiencing true freedom. Awaken the soul power within you today with me, Jen Duchenne. Learn more at jenduchenne.com. That's J-E-N-D-U-C-H-E-N-E.com. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe and share my podcast, Love from the Hip. That's HYP, anywhere you can find podcasts. Today, I have the pleasure of having Stacy and Tom Bartley on my show. Stacy is an integrative couples specialist and divorce mediator, and Tom is a relationship coach. Hey, guys. Hey, great to be here, Sakura. I know. Welcome back to the studio. (laughs) I know. We love KKNW um, and it was such a a wonderful pleasure to broadcast on KKNW for almost two years. So love all of you there. It's great back to to be with the crew. right? (laughs) (laughs) So can you tell my listeners how you and Tom came to be and also that contract that you had? Yeah. Yeah, the contract was a necessary thing to help me kind of like decide I was going to do a vow again. Yeah. Maybe. I was going to attempt it because at that point in time, my armpits were pretty sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> but if we travel back in time, um, Tom is actually my brother-in-law's best friend since the fourth grade. Wow. Yeah, my friend Wally, friend then, bro- brother-in-law now, who I just saw actually yesterday, we were in Salt Lake, but yeah, Wally was my first friend of my small group to get married in 1978. So um, we, tr- I traveled to Salt Lake City to, to, you know, attend his wedding. And uh, lo and behold, I met Wally's wife to be Stephanie's 14 year old sister. Actually, I don't remember meeting Stacy mm-hmm. that day huh. in 1978 because she was only 14. And I always like to say the seven years didn't look good then; they look real good now. But they didn't <laughs> look good. 
so I sought refuge on the front porch because it was getting really crazy up in my house. The wedding uh -huh. hadn't started yet and my sister was getting nervous and my mom was trying to talk her off the ledge as she was throwing up in the toilet. And I'm thinking, I don't even know what to do with this as a 14-year-old girl. I don't understand this relationship. <laughs> Why would anyone do this to themselves? Right? I'm scratching my head over that one. And so I'm sitting out on the porch and I watch this carload of Wally's friends pull up across the street and all four doors open poop, 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 and out jumps this darling guy in the in the passenger side back rear seat and he had this big huge head of hair and and this gorgeous smile and I just I had this moment where I thought wow I hope to find a man like that someday <laughs> and in my history it that becomes a really significant moment because as you forecast forward my relationship history is nothing like pristine it's 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 pretty um what would you call it, honey? Messy. Messy. Mm -hmm. That's a good word. It was pretty messy. Um, went through a couple of divorces and had a couple of children before I was 20. Um, and then married again, was going to really knock it out of the park religiously to, to make sure I redeemed myself. And when that all fell apart 13 years later, I was pretty angry and bitter about the whole relationship thing. Mm -hmm. For the next 15 years, I decided I was just going to be that independent, don't need no kind of man girl. <laughs> right. Until I got a call from my brother-in-law and he says, hey, uh, you don't know my friend Tom who lives in California. And I'd heard this. Oh, so many times, every time I would hear that because of that experience, my antennas would go up and like, yeah, tell me about Tom. Tell me what Tom's doing. What's he up? <laughs> he's getting married and he's having a child and he's opening up a business. And, and this went on for 35 years as I was making journal entries of, gosh, if I could just meet a guy like Tom. And then I'd get furious because I think I don't even know this guy, Tom, get out of here, you know? Right. And I'd get, I'd get really angry with myself and think, gosh, girl, pull it together. And so when I ended up getting this phone call in 2010, Hey, you don't know my friend, Tom, who lives in California, but he'd like to expand his business into Utah. And I was working closely with the economic development office at the time for the state of Utah. And he thought it would be a really great contact to help him do that. And I'm like, no way. Like that Tom, that guy, that yeah. The guy he, with the hair? A number, yeah. He doesn't have hair anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. So he, he gave me a call and, and it was just like I always dreamed it would be. It was just a good friend. It was just a it was just a really good friend. We didn't talk business very long before it just kind of started veering into life. And mm -hmm. um, so as they say, as our relationship started to unfold. Yeah. And we realized, oh, my gosh, like I could actually explore a relationship with this guy. I think it was the only thing at that point in time that would have stopped me dead in my tracks from that. I'm going to, you know, do it on my own. Don't need no kind of man. You know, it was the one thing that went. So you're going to really stick with that or are you going to explore this thing that happened to you 14? You know, you're at the age of 14. The are you going to that you've always wanted? Exactly. The man mm -hmm. that you were struck with this idea of, I didn't know what relationships were, but hey, I want to <laughs> do it with you for whatever reason. Uh -huh. uh, and then the, the contract actually was birthed out of that because um, as the conversation or the relationship started to progress, we knew that the conversation about marriage was just around the corner. At least that was my greatest nightmare. Like, what am I going to do? I'd professed I'd never married again. I was done with that gig. Well, um, and let me just add, you know, so we started 600 miles apart, Stacy and I, Stacy's from Salt Lake City and I'm in Sacramento. So like the second or third night of, of us starting to talk, Stacy said, because we had a no, nothing was off limits policy right from the get go, whatever you need to say, say it, you know, mm -hmm. and so she, I just want you to know, I got to get something off my chest. I never have any intentions of marrying again. 
And I, I paused. I said, well, you know, that's not a deal breaker. I mean, I don't sense we're going to have any more children. We already have eight between us. So, yeah. you know, not that, not that you can't have children without being married, but you know, I mean, sure. I, I just said, no, I, I, that's not a deal breaker. So we, we can move on from that. And yeah. so I said, that's cool. But then, but then the question becomes, what do you do when your relationship is progressing and you want to, you know, somehow solidify the deal? Mm-hmm. You know, that, that was the conversation we found ourselves in the throes of in the middle of the night. And and I was trying to like get out of the conversation because I was becoming emotionally uncomfortable. And so I threw out this crazy idea as a joke. And I said, oh my gosh, Tom, okay, here's the deal. Let's just do a lease option contract for love. <laughs> and then we can continue to reevaluate this. You know, it's just to take the tension off. Uh-huh. Right? I, I was, it was really a diversion in my commun- my poor communication <laughs> at the time, just because I was becoming emotionally uncomfortable. And, and Tom didn't let it slide. He picked right up and he says, that's a really good idea. Put it together. Tell what me it, what you know. Put it together. Let's go. Yeah. And, and what does like, a lease option for love look like? So you, you basically go through what it is you emotionally desire and need in your relationship. Like, what is it that's driving you right now to want to continue to be in this relationship? And let's talk about those things. And then let's talk about how you get really finite in meeting those needs of your person. And so we used to do a, a weekly evaluation with this contract where we could literally say to each other, you know, you're really doing a great job here, but I'm noticing that what would work better is if you did more of this. Like we got down into the specifics of, you know, do it like this say it like this. And and it transferred over into our sex life beautifully because it was like, you know, love me here, touch me here, slow hmm. down, you know, lighten up. It, it was, it was this place where it created this experience where we could get very, very specific and allow each other to teach us how to love us as we discovered it for ourselves, because we don't have conversations like this in our relationships. Yeah. We use an acronym, we use an acronym. We spell cake, we use cake, but it's C-A-C-E. So that's clarity, get clear. agreement, Agreed. commitment and evaluation. Mm-hmm. So it's really, those are the four things. If you kind of boil it all down foundationally that when people come together for a relationship, that that's what you need. So this can bolt on to any, uh, to a religious belief, a, a cultural custom, a, a lifestyle choice. It's, it's a neutral framework. We want it intentionally to have it be neutral. Not that we don't respect and appreciate those. We do. We work with people from all walks of life, but because it's neutral, it can bolt on and adapt to any type of, of a situation. And that's what we need now, I mm-hmm. think, you know, because we need something much more progressive and malleable. We say the only rules that apply in relationship are the rules between the people involved. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. And love is a universal language. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What I discovered out of that, because I was very commitment phobic, obviously, <laughs> at that point in time. And um, after a couple of rounds, we, the, the first contract we did for 30 days, you know, we, let's give this thing a run for 30 days and see where we're at. And at the end, we can say, hey, we understand why it doesn't work. We can part friends and let this just go because, you know, we had a lot of family tentacles that were crisscrossing that mm-hmm. were going to be affected in our relationship and as we came together. Or, hey, if we had a great time and, and we're loving what's happening here, we can do another another 30 days. We could we can renew. Escalate the time. renew. <laughs> renew it. Totally. And that was the whole idea, you know. <laughs> Option to renew. So after I got through, you know, 90 days of this, I had this huge epiphany and that was, I wasn't commitment phobic. Mm. I think committing is the easiest thing in the whole wide world for us to do as human beings. What terrifies us 
is we know, especially when we've been a few rounds in our relationship, you know, we've made our, our, these vows, as you were saying in the beginning of the show, and we've promised our hearts and souls. I don't know of anybody that, that steps to the altar and says, you know what my intention is here. I'm going to really screw you over. <laughs> like I'm going to really do my best. It never starts out like that. Right. Like we step with the best intentions and the greatest hopes in our hearts. that This is going to be something good and wonderful. And, and the intention is pure where we fall down and become terrified is we know that there's going to be change and we have no idea how to navigate that change. Mm. And so when challenges start to arise and conflict starts to enter the scene and things start to play out that terrify us, we don't know what to do. And typically as human beings, what we do know to do is just pull out. Yeah. Go quiet. Mm -hmm. Get quiet, pull out, go missing ignore it, hope it gets better, cross your fingers. That's our greatest one. Cross your fingers and just hope this is going to get better. It's going to improve. And aside from that, it's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And so that was a huge aha for me. Actually, it wasn't commitment at all. It was just knowing how to navigate the inevitable ups and downs that terrified me. I, I still didn't understand that. I didn't understand how to do that myself. And Tom, where were you at? Well, I had just uh, made the most difficult decision in my life to end my first marriage of 24 years, you know, shortly, you know, before I reached out to Stacy. So, um, yeah, again, just even as I sit here and talk about, you know, two wonderful children break the thought of breaking up my family literally paralyzed me. But at the end of the day, I just said, you know, I mean, thankfully and gratefully, my my first wife and I are good friends and we want the best for each other. That also is a is not a for or it's not a. um oxymoron, I guess would be a better word. You can have a, what we call in our body of work, a loving release. Does it take work? Yes. Does it require a better version of you to show up? Yes. Um, But then shortly after that, so I I always sensed that I would get back into another relationship because I, I, I love relationship, but I knew I wanted someone really, really uh, had been through a lot of significant life challenges and ups and downs and was very strong on her own. And look what showed up. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, strong is an understatement. Uh, Be careful what you wish for. Right? <laughs> totally. So after the 90 days, is that when you then decided to get married? Yeah, actually, we were still not going to get married. Um, we we moved in together. I ended up leaving my home in Salt Lake City and moving to Sacramento um, to to co-create our lives together. And it was actually at the end of our first year where I looked at my tax bill and realized to remain single, I was going to have to pay Uncle Sam about $30,000. And I went, you know, marriage looks pretty good right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So in the spirit of full disclosure, I knew that we were good together and I Mm. loved what we were creating. And I knew that that was going to be an ongoing life pursuit, that there wasn't going to be anything marriage was going to give our relationship that it didn't already have. And so I got married for all the legal access, all the financial reasons, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, on, and it didn't terrify me. On the 30th of December, because we heard from our CPA, if you get mm-hmm. married on the last day of the year, it qualifies as the entire year. Oh, there you no, go. Our, our I'm not a tax period. professional. Consult your tax person, for, but that's what we were told. <laughs> Very unromantic. I know. And Bye. how many years have you been married now? Ten. It'll be 10 in December, together for 12 and and married for 10 in December. Wonderful. Get, getting serious, I guess. I guess. <laughs> for another year. And how did you guys decide to work together? How did that come apart? Well, so I um, was a divorce mediator at that point in time when I moved to Sacramento. I, I started um, stepping into divorce mediation. 
And this lease option contract was something that had so changed my paradigm in life personally that I ended up bringing it into the divorce mediation conversation. Mm. And I loved it. It works so well there because, you know, when we're going through a divorce or we think we're pursuing divorce, there's no completion around divorce. It's And, it, and it's very um, anticlimactic after you divide all the assets, you sign some papers and, you know, you get the return stamp and seal of approval from whatever state you're seeking that here in the States. And, and what do you do with all the emotional aftermath? And that was where I started to notice, oh, this is brutal. It's brutal because we don't get complete. It's because we don't understand. We don't know how to go forward. We don't understand what happened, what my part was, my partner's part was, you know, and if we did, that would be so helpful as we stepped into love again, because my thing is don't, don't stop. I now know that we can heal from anything that happens to our hearts. We really can, but we just don't know how we don't have any remedies to move forward. And so we become terrified of loving again. We think mm -hmm. that's our answer to keep us safe and to keep our, our hearts safe from breaking again and again and again. And we don't realize they'll heal and we become resilient and we have the capacity to not not only go again, but to love many, many people. Yeah. And if that weren't the case, you couldn't love your kids and your aunts and your uncles and your friends and, and lovers. Polyamory would never work, right? <laughs> we have the capacity to love many people. And that's just the truth about human beings. And so um, I became really, really dedicated to helping people move through this process as, as, as best I could in a better way. And so I brought the lease option contract into that. And then we started to go, gosh, if it's good here, what about on the front side like we did, right? What about mm -hmm. all the people who are getting into a new relationship? And so that's when Tom and I back in 2013 started um, a little business called Lease on Love. And Lease on Love was just about the contract. And we put it together in a little box and we tried to sell it in a little box. We were so cute. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and as they say, the rest is history. Lots of evolution and lots of uh, uh, ups and downs. Ooh, yeah. But here we are. And, and we keep saying, man, we should have quit. But we just can't. It's one of those things where it's like, all right, pull it together. Well, it and, and I think it's, you know, everybody's standing on the shoulders of giants before us. Right. But, but, you know, it's all in, in our sharing of a, whatever our perspective is, just like you, Sakura, your wonderful perspective, but you don't see a lot of husbands and wives working number one and really enjoying it. Number two, and giving this perspective, I mean, there's such a, a void out there that I see and sense. And as far as the, a positive male, you know, experience and role model, and there's a lot of fatherless, you know, children, and that's just not okay. So I think I can bring some sense of, even though I lost my father when I was only 13 years old, Stacy mm -hmm. and I's father died the same year, interestingly enough, but um, I've been blessed by some other wonderful men in my life, but I just think, you know, we're able to bring some perspective and, you know, blending our lives with eight kids and now 13 grandkids. We say, look, we come wow. from a very practical place. You know, if we can do this, there's a lot of moving parts. It's not all unicorns and rainbows over here, you right. know, so try to bring a very practical approach to this whole thing we call love. Mm -hmm. I love well, that. I would say it is definitely the work that we'll do until the end, whenever that is. So. <laughs> uh, we're, we're here to stay <laughs> well you can feel the passion that you guys have for each other and for what you do so it's amazing thank you mm -hmm. and with that we're going to take a quick break but stay tuned for the weekly skinny up next and more love from the hip L it's for the way you look at me O is for the only one I see V is very, very 
Extraordinary Is even more than anyone that you adore can love On this Weekly Skinny, I would like to discuss sleeping in your makeup and why it is not the best idea. Unfortunately, while it may seem like a hassle to wash your face after a long night of tiring fun, it'll be more of a hassle to try to combat all that aging. That's right, not only can sleeping in your makeup result in premature aging, but also collagen degradation. Reason being, makeup can actually trap dirt and environmental toxins inside the skin, which can increase the free radicals, cause DNA mutations, collagen degradation, and later result in premature aging. Not to mention, the prolonged wearing of makeup can also clog your pores, resulting in increased breakouts. Now think about all of the dirt your skin was exposed to and the oil you built up throughout the day, coupled with your makeup. Yep, gross. In addition, sleeping in your makeup can interfere with the skin's natural exfoliation process, which then will result in a more dry and dull complexion. For middle-aged women, we are already combating dryness due to our hormones, so we definitely do not need the extra fight. We didn't even discuss the potential increase in bacteria, viruses, and fungus, not just on the skin, but also on the eyes and in your makeup itself. Not removing eye makeup like mascara can lead to harboring harmful pathogens, which can result in nasty inflammation, infection, and even eyelash lice. And if you are reapplying makeup on top of your makeup you slept in with the same filthy applicator or brush, consider all of that bacteria as well. It is also important to remember that makeup isn't typically regulated as highly as other cosmetic products by the FDA and may be composed of ingredients which are not meant to be left on for prolonged periods of time. This can show up on the skin as contact dermatitis or red, itchy, and flaky skin. Dermatologists also caution that sleeping in your makeup may disrupt the skin's natural cellular repair and regeneration process. So if you have noticed negative changes in your skin and are frequently sleeping in your makeup, now you know why. This habit is worth kicking. Microneedling is a revolutionary treatment that can help reduce the appearance of acne scars, fine lines, pigmentation, wrinkles, even improve the appearance of stretch marks by stimulating collagen and elastin. Sakura Skin and Mind specializes in this procedure that jumpstarts your body's natural healing process. Sakura Skin and Mind believes in not only keeping the skin up to date with the latest trends in the skincare industry, but also keeping the skin beautiful, fast, pretty, painless, and affordable. Find out more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A skinandmind.com. It's more than just a game for two. Two in love can make it. Take my heart and please don't break it. Love was made for me and you. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. If you're just tuning in, I'm having a lovely discussion with Stacy and Tom Bartley on relationships and marriage. So, Stacy and Tom, let's just jump right in. How has the pandemic affected marriage, dating, mm. and relationships in general? 
Yeah. It, so in any kind of a life-threatening situation, whether that be a pandemic or some kind of an earthquake or so not, I mean, those, these natural disasters or even you can think of it more one-on-one -on -one as well, whenever we have a life-threatening illness that, that happens even in my sphere of influence, which very much the pandemic is, is part of that, we'll make big, bold decisions that we've been sitting on for many, many years, sometimes decades. Um, because we realize, okay, this, this is really gonna, this is a thing. This is real. I can't mm -hmm. put it off anymore. And so in these moments, what ends up happening is we make the decision to end that relationship, right? I've been wanting to do it for 10 years, but that's it. I, I'm doing this. I'm doing it now. But it also swings the other way where it's like, I've been sitting on the fence and I've, I've been putting off getting married or having that baby or buying that house or taking that, you know, one life, you know, dream trip. And, and you're going to see, and it is already happening, travels, picking up, um, concerts are picking up, experiential types of things are picking up because we're not going to sit around and wait anymore to find joy and pleasure and to create experiences because we've all just come face to face with life or death, right? Mm -hmm. And have experienced life and death. Most families um, have been impacted in some form or fashion. Somebody got really sick and was on the edge of death or some families have lost multiple friends and family members throughout the pandemic. And so it's a huge wake up call. It's kind of like, you know, get ready, you better live because, you know, we never know when the end is going to come. Uh, right. And that's so true. I think the other thing that the pandemic played out on big time is isolation is really hard on human beings. There's only two things that isolation is really good for. And that is punishment. So we use that to punish ourselves and others. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we push them away and torture. And it's really effective for those two things. Um, but aside from that, it, it really doesn't help us. It doesn't serve us. It's not good for us. It, it is one of the quickest ways to compromise and break down our mental health mm -hmm. and our sense of self. Um, and there's a principle behind that that we won't get into, but it's as principled as gravity. It's called contrast it, without having experiences, something new, something different. I can't see and understand myself. So isolation is just, it just wreaks havoc on us as human beings. Monotony, you know, homostasis, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, anything that doesn't have any kind of a, an ebb and flow to it or, or lacks contrast of experiences, et cetera, is going to wreak havoc on us. Yeah. So, okay. um, it, it, so I also see the pandemic playing into a new revolution as far as like monogamy and how we do love and relationships because we might have made it through it right but i'm realizing there are things in this relationship that i want more of and you don't seem to want to be willing to give it to me or mm -hmm. you know that homostasis like like <laughs> monotony of monogamy um it, i I, I need more, you know, when we start talking about eroticism and sexuality and those kinds of things, it's like, I, I need more. And so we're seeing a huge upsurge in, you know, all kinds of new agreements around marriage and those vows you talked about and polyamory is one of them, right? Yeah, I was um, going to ask you about that because I know many of people personally that became polyamorous during the pandemic or that that mm -hmm. created, you know, that for them. Mm -hmm. Well, and there are so many different layers of polyamorous. So, you know, when we start to talk about polyamory, um, older people are not going to relate to that, but they might relate to like swinging, you know, we're right. in a monogamous relationship, but <laughs> then we go and a few times a year, we go to a party and have a great time and we do it together, right? We're mm -hmm. in it together <laughs> and I'm still monogamous, right? This is still my person. We're in agreement here to go and do this. And, and so in, even in within polyamory, you know, there's, there's what they call pods, you know, so there's a group of people that say, 
okay, we're just going to be exclusive with each other. Mm. And you don't go outside of that. So there's these agreements that are within that idea and concept of polyamory. And so we are really in the throes of creating new monogamy. Um, in many, many different ways. And it's happening right before our eyes, which honestly, if you look back and you study the history of relationships, like I do, because I'm a geek that way, I love relationship, I love human beings and human behavior, and I want to understand everything I possibly can about it. Uh, and that's why I opened the, the book that I released here in March around the history of relationships, because I think it's important for us to understand and realize that marriage has always changed and morphed over time. Mm-hmm. And it's happening again right now as we as Well, we and I would just add, I think that's the challenge if you're trying to bolt yourself onto some type of a pretty dated paradigm. Mm-hmm. Again, no judgment here, but let's just be honest. And that's why we we really think there is so much validity and, and strength to our lease option contract for love because it's very malleable. I mean, how are we going to go through this most dynamic process in life called relationship, called marriage, called whatever, a significant, other, you know, whatever we choose to name it with something that is very static. Right. I mean, that's like, it, well, you're, that's doomed to fail, really. Mm-hmm. I, you know, so not to dismiss, again, you can you can choose to, but you're going to need some more tools in your toolbox, I guess would be the best way to say it. Well, and and you've probably just fired off a lot of listeners going, hey, no, now wait a minute. Don't you start, tra- you know, don't you start challenging monogamy because that's the only thing that's going to see us through. You know, it's the only thing that's been stable for a long period of time. And, and I really want to impress the idea that it's okay, too, if we still honor that sanctity of how we've traditionally done it. And by mm-hmm. the way, holy matrimony was not so holy. That, that's taking us all the way back to like Judaism. Right. Christianity was not holy. In fact, when Christianity first came to be, you wanted to live among the angels. The idea was to secure your place in heaven and forsake everything on earth. And that's where we forsake pleasure. We forsake sex. We forget, we forsake money. We forsake, you know, all of those things. So a lot of like those things we wrestle with, if we come from some kind of a Christian background, you know, is money okay? Is it sinful? Is sex sinful? What do I do with it? How far do I take it? I don't know what to do. It comes from that original place in Christianity. And it was in 1215 when Pope Innocent III actually declared divorce illegal Mm -hmm. that we ended up having to do this time and all eternity kind of idea. I say time and all eternity because that's the paradigm I come from. It wasn't just for life. It was for eternity. And I don't know how long that is, but it seems like a pretty darn long time. Absolutely. (laughs) But that is where we came up with the vow Tell death do us part right. as part of our wedding vows. And then that was layered on by the Europeans um, by the law of coverture because they were trying to secure the wealth and the passing of wealth from family to family. Hmm. And but the law of coverture means the two shall become one. And the woman will take the man's name and she will be protected was the idea. She'll be protected from anything legal or political, um, which prevents her from being able to sign contracts, to govern money, to have judicious authority over her children. That will all be done under the man's name and she will become one with him. And so that's where that vow comes from is the law of coverture. And what is mind blowing still to this day for me, that as the law of coverture you know, peripherated our Western society here in the United States of America. It wasn't until 1975. um, That was the last, the year with the last state overturned the law of coverture in 1975. And it was Connecticut, which you would think to be a pretty like open, you know, 
a progressive state, but it was actually Connecticut, the last one to overturn the law of coverture, allowing women to sign contracts and to have their own money and to have legal rights to their children, et cetera, 1975. So like fascinating. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> so a lot of our vows in marriage that we take come from some of this historic stuff and we don't realize what we're saying and we don't right. understand why we're saying it, right? It's Where it's coming from. Yeah. Exactly. So can we so. share a little bit about your book, um, Feeling yeah. Like Your Marriage is Dead, A Divorce Mediator's Guide to Ensuring a Lifetime of Love? Mm-hmm. So when did you write this and who did you write it for? So it just released it in March this year. And I actually wrote it probably four years ago, and it just kind of sat there. Uh, There's a lot of personal story in the book um, because I wanted to make it really relevant and I wanted to share my story, um, which is, as I had said, kind of messy. Tom had said, and it is messy, Um, but I think it highlights the ability to love and heal and love again. And that's that's why I call it love for a lifetime. And that may be with one person or maybe multiple people. But the thing that relationships are good for is to helping us grow. Like I say, if you want to put your personal growth on steroids, just go ahead and get into a relationship. It'll take care of everything. (laughs) I'd agree. (laughs) All your fears and insecurities come up, right? I mean, we're off to the races. It's easier being alone. Well, and it serves both people, you know, relationships are just going to give us more of everything and not just more of the good stuff. And I think people don't realize that's normal. But people mm-hmm. don't realize that that's relationship. And so when things start to go awry and they're gonna, you know, as your fears and insecurities start coming up, um, that's normal. That's normal in a relationship. It doesn't mean you chose the wrong person or that you're doing it wrong or that you're a heathen of a person and you don't know how to love. I mean, there's so many terrible things that we make up about why it is we're, we're struggling and why we're going through challenges. Um, and so, you know, the book was really written for those people who find themselves in that place, you know, making up all these stories that just aren't true, and they're not based on any kind of a foundation or know how. And and then I, I want to give people skills, we get better at relationships, just like we get better at anything else through practice, through learning through skills. And in relationships, it's a funny thing, we want the circumstances to change, we're sick of that. Um, but I don't want to have to change. And so <laughs> if I don't want to change, then you got to change, right? right. I, I call it, I really call it the fart in the room because it's like, I swear <laughs> I'm doing everything I know how to do. And there's only, you know, you and I here. So, I mean, it's got to be you then if it's not me, right? Right. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and and that's not true either, right? There's, there's this thing called co-creation and that's what a relationship is. And it's based on what everybody puts in. And sometimes we don't know what to put in or how to put it in. And that's where skill and practice is absolutely required. And so emotional push-ups are highlighted throughout the book. And that's why we need them is because we need to learn how to emotionally regulate ourselves with some skills. We can say what we need to say, but we just need to be mindful about how we say it and how we show up. Mm-hmm. And we just we have a heck of a time knowing how to talk about those things. Well, I want to come back. We have to take a break, but I want to come back and share more about your book and really get in there nitty gritty. So everyone stick around for more Love from the Hip. Like a big pizza pie, that's amore. 
Hypnotherapy helps you discover and explore deep, sustainable life changes. Let Sakura guide your communication with your unconscious mind. Rid yourself of negative behaviors, fears, pains, and emotions. Weight loss, smoking, childhood drama, chronic pain, and much more can be addressed. Begin healing now. Learn more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A skinandmind.com. Bring out the healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had. The passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging, but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, compassion, and especially someone who works across the veil. Allow Sakura Sutter, multidimensional channeler and intuitive medium, to be your spiritual guide with the other side. No matter if you choose to communicate with your transitioned loved ones to help you with the grieving process, or connect with spiritual, galactic, and other light beings to explore and dive in more on your spiritual path, Sakura can assist you. Not only does Sakura channel insightful messages, but she also incorporates her metaphysical tools to help you move through blocks and unprocessed emotions and feelings, providing you with a closure, relief, and new mindset to move forward. So don't hesitate to take your first step towards healing so you can start living your life once again. Remote sessions available. Contact Sakura at sakurasutter.com. That's S-A-K-U-R-A-S-U-T-T-E-R.com. A health crisis is one of the most challenging situations we will experience in our lifetime. It leaves us frightened, confused, and asking, why did this happen to me? Transformational coach Rory Reich experienced his healing crisis when the life he had so carefully constructed came crumbling down around him. The universe had offered him a challenge. He chose to accept it and to rediscover who he was before it was too late. In his book, Transform Yourself Through Disease, Rory shares his personal journey alongside eight practical steps to help those who are stuck realize their self-impairing beliefs and discover ways of transforming them so they can reclaim their health and create the life of their dreams. Don't let your health crisis define you. Take the next step and transform yourself today. For a free life coaching consultation, contact Rory at RoryReich.com. That's R-O-R-Y-R-E-I-C-H dot com. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And if you are just joining us, I have Stacy and Tom Bartley here with us today. And don't forget to check out Stacy's new book, Feeling Like Your Marriage is Dead, A Divorce Mediator's Guide to Ensuring a Lifetime of Love. So guys, can you tell me what are the top reasons for couples wanting a divorce? Mm-hmm. Across the board, bar none, communication is the one that's cited again and again and again and again. Um, you know, then I would think what would fall below that is sexuality. Um, we're, we're not having enough sex or we're having too much sex. Sex is going to be the next conversation. And then it's going to, believe it or not, money oftentimes trumps kids. So, you know, those those are going to be the top four for sure with communication being top, top, top. We did like 2000 surveys back in 2017, talked to 2000 couples and every single one of them, communication, communication. So, and that makes sense um, because we just don't understand how to say what it is we need to say and Mm -hmm. share what it is we feel compelled to share without, you know, staying off. We don't have to stay off the judgment or the insecurity that we feel inside of ourselves. If I say what I really want to say, are you going to still love me? Are you going to, you know, judge me? Are you going to still accept me? There's, there's a huge piece 
of fear that goes on there. So we usually don't say what it is we mean to say. We say some version around it. Yeah. And we pay a high price for that. We actually do because we don't get this piece called validation, where it's kind of like if I were to ask you your favorite color, your favorite peeps, or what you love to do, there's this biofeedback we get as human beings that goes, Yes, you nailed it. You're right. <laughs> Good job. We right. can't talk about what we love without feeling refueled, right? Mm -hmm. Or feeling a little pop. Mm -hmm. And so when we're not saying what it is we really want to say, we're actually invalidating ourselves and it never really kind of hits the mark. And, and even when you think about ways that we ask for what it is we're really needing or desiring in the moment, we really don't ask for the whole enchilada nine times out of 10. We're going to ask for the part that we feel like we can get away with or that would make sense or that's appropriate or, you know, however we're judging it in our own filters. And so it leaves us always feeling like we didn't get what we needed, mm -hmm. not even really disclosing it. Right. <laughs> so absolutely. So there's, there is a, a huge breakdown in our communication there. Now, would infidelity also be on that list? Absolutely. Infidelity, um, believe it or not, is not necessarily, that's, that's the outpour. I always say if infidelity happens as an out, it's either a breakup or a wake up to the relationship. It's like, I don't know how to get out of this, so I'm going to have an affair. And if I, yeah, I get caught, whatever, I'm out. I want to get out anyway. I just don't know how to say mm -hmm. it. I don't know how to ask for that or have that conversation. Um, or I'm unhappy, I'm miserable, you know, I'm just going to try and get my needs met on the side and so sh still show up in this relationship because I want to be here, but it just upsets the apple cart. So it's definitely a breakup or wake up call to the relationship. And in that, it can be really good news. It can be the best thing that ever happened for a couple because it was in breakdown anyway. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what do we need in order to have a successful, long lasting and loving relationship? Uh, a long lasting relationship is, is going to be possible, but we're going to have to do that navigation we talked about, you know, uh, you can't change people, but you can change agreements, you can change vows. <laughs> and it's much easier to change the agreements when we understand and explore what everybody needs and have an honest conversation there. And then we can come up with a way to get those met. That's the easy part, right? The strategy is the easiest part. Getting the real deal on the table, that's the hard part. Getting the cards on the table. And I always say we can't solve problems we don't know exist. Yeah, and we like to say the two things you absolutely have to have in a relationship are permission and safety. Now, obviously, physical safety is, is always is there. We're talking about emotional safety. So if you have permission and emotional safety in a relationship, you have, I would say, the foundation for long lasting love. Well, and a lot of people would go, well, how do you do that? Right. And so that's where a lot of our foundational teachings begin. So we've got to learn that. The reason why relationships end more times than not is not because there isn't solutions to the challenges that we face. It's because we run out of emotional gas. And it sounds like I just can't do this anymore. I mm. just can't go there anymore. And we've run out of emotional gas. And uh, and then we tap out and we need to tap out because then we're now in emotional survival mode, you know, and we just can't figure out how to get through it. And so that's the greatest risk that we face. And so that's why getting help sooner rather than later is always better because you're not going to risk running out of gas. That's the biggest risk on the table. Yeah. You run out of emotional gas. You don't have the energy to, to look at the relationship, to do the examination, to understand, to practice, to do all those things that are going to be required to save it because you're already out of gas. Right. And that's that pro. <laughs> active approach and in, in therapy, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Absolutely. how often when couples come to you guys, is it too late? Most times? Most times, yes. I would say 90% of the time, yes. Absolutely. And it wouldn't have been if they would have come earlier, which so, is the sad part. I would say, I mean, all things, you know, being equal, 
people don't choose to want to usually reach out to us until their proverbial house is burning down. Right. You know, I do need to give a shout out to the young people, though. I'm going to do that right here, right now, because we are seeing a decline in the demographic Much of more young couples that ever. we work with. And it's kind of like the young people have seen their relationships of the parents blow up yeah. and just be a hot, hot mess. And so I'm seeing a lot more premarital counseling. I'm seeing a lot of younger couples who are now having children and challenged uh, raise their hands sooner rather than later. And so, you know, it, it's it's pretty amazing because I don't take any insurance it's all out of pocket for me. It's right. really amazing when I see a 20 year old couple come in that have a new baby and they're working, you know, for $20 an hour and they're wanting to pay cash to get help and support for their relationship. So like, it just says something about this, this generation, this younger generation. And so I just need to applaud. Them. That's, That's great. All. Yeah. And just mm -hmm. having that more awareness, right. Building more mm -hmm. self-awareness to have yes. better relationships with others. That's going to be the upswing of social media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the downswing is we're, we're mired in judgment, right? And and a possibility. like, And I think it creates a lot of misnomers in regards to what relationships really are. Mm -hmm. We come up with some really crazy ideas about where relation, what relationships are supposed to be and how they work right. on social media and yeah. our memes and TikTok, et cetera. It, it, and movies, et cetera, it, it really doesn't help us much. Well, we're and, running out of time, but I was hoping that you guys could discuss briefly the Better Love Club. Uh, the Better Love Club will be coming out here in the fall. It's a place where we can come together through community and we can learn so much learning and education needs to happen through relationships. And it's a way we can do it as a community with an emotional weightlifting gym. So where do you go to practice what it is you need to know in your relationships with others? And say. Um, yeah, and primarily not and and not risk, you know, the yeah. primary relationship like this has got to go well. So where do I practice and really get messy mm -hmm. and, and be able to get messy so I can master it. And so the Better Love Club is absolutely coming and it will have the lease option contract in it. It will, it will have foundational skills, um, etc. So Lovely. we're excited about it. Well, how can my listeners find you too? Um, StacyBartley.com is going to be the best and easiest place to point to um, on that website, you'll find our podcast, um, Love Shack Live, you'll find our book, you'll find um, a clarity call if you need some help, and you don't know where to begin. Um, and you'll also find information about the Better Love Club here soon. So wonderful. Well, thanks again for being here today. Oh, it's always thanks such a pleasure, Sakara. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you to Eric, our amazing producer. You, the listener, KKNW, KBKW, and Cape Town Zone Radio. And tune in next Wednesday for more Love from the Hip. Stay kind out there. Stay true to you. And don't forget, make self-love contagious. Go ahead. I dare you.